Divisive issues contain language unsuitable for children and adults. And those weird Superman aliens from the Grounded episode. Look, just don't listen to this, okay? Like, you're going to get spoilers. Just don't listen. Welcome to Spicy Issues, a comic book podcast where we talk about comic books and sometimes manga, like this time. I'm Ryan. Well, manga is comics, Ryan. Yeah. It's just from another area of the world. I know, but uh, I don't want to offend... Oh, don't you guys mean manga? I don't want to offend the weebs, right, guys? <laughs> hey, hey, that's offensive. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have two weebs right here, Wait, Ryan. I'm Ryan. I'm Slime. I'm Phil. I'm daryl Son. <laughs> I think you can guess who half those weeboos are. Yeah. I mean, I'm Stefan. They always prefer their last names first. Stefan Zahn. Stefan Kuhn. Yeah, you guys aren't close enough to use my first name yet. <laughs> yeah. So the only real lore, I guess, is what's what's manga. Well, the, the person should be giving the lore this week. Last time we had Ryan give the lore. This week, let's have Daryl give the lore on our three creators. Uh, thanks for putting me on the spot, because I actually did not research this well enough. <laughs> well, to... well you, see, you see, you gave me like, oh, I know this, I want to show the progression of this and that. I want to talk about like, how he's rising to each other. But the, that's, I needed to clarify, I'm not good with lore. Like, I, I read up on this stuff, and then I don't retain it. I'm just like, I should do this. I mean, that's that's fine. Tell us what these things are. Yeah, say what you know. Uh... <laughs> uh... <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> okay, so what's the first book that we're talking about? Darryl? So we, we have three different uh, mangakas, which are manga artists today. Three different osakus. <laughs> I don't know any of these words, listeners, so I'm just as confused as you are. You baka gaijin, damn it, Ryan. <laughs> mangakas are just like the like comic artists. Okay. Uh-huh. They have to be special snowflakes and have their own term, just like com- like comics in Japan. Just be called, can't be called comic, they be called manga. And you can't call them comic creators, you have to call them manga. And you, you can't call it playing, you have to call it kikako. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's fine having a different language have different words for things. Our three that we have today are Kazuo Umezu, Hideshi Hino, and Junji Ito. And, the- and you said these are all these three different eras, like not eras, but like each one influenced the other one after another. Yeah, more or less. Like, I. I this is why, like, I wish I... I'm looking for their, their years that they were together. or like. I right. assumed you knew this stuff better than you did. That's why I was didn't look it up myself. This is why I don't do lore. I mean, we don't always have to be, like, lore, lore, lore. We could talk about the books yeah. as they stand. Because we didn't know much about the artists behind them ourselves, any of us. Well, I assumed, foolishly, that we had an expert on our hands, but clearly we don't. Last time we assumed that, it was another Stefan, and she didn't know as much about Archie as we thought she did, too. <laughs> and, and, and then Daryl turns around and says, why, do, why, why is our house considered inferior to the, to the other houses? But this is why. Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> you bring shame to the Stefan family. So, okay, we'll, we'll pretend to be classic schmastic for a week and, pre- and look at things as they stand on their own instead of in these giant woven tapestries of lore. Well, these are all short stories anyway, so maybe yeah. it's appropriate to look at them as they are. Oh, we forgot to mention it at the top of the show. This is part of our Spooky October block. Yeah, we forgot we to mention it, but we, as part of Spooky October, we wanted to see what, what other countries did with the horror genre. Are, are you yes. sure you're pronouncing that right? I thought it was spoopy. Too spoopy. Spoopy. Too spoopy. Oh, shit. So our first story is The Stolen Heart. And this is done by Kazuo Umezu. Yeah, and he does all the writing and the art? 
the the cover says the stolen heart and the heart is like super super detailed and realistic and then there's like a manga girl very kind of I, I don't want to I don't know a lot of manga so I don't want to say like standard the important thing to know is that his style is actually really reminiscent of like uh Osamu Tezuka's where it's like it's the old style of drawing girls and guys where it's like very simple faces like defined noses big black eyes the, the way I would compare it to is this reminds me a lot of of Speed Racer yes. Uh, yes. which was like a, a contemporary Art uh, manga of the '60s, that kind of style. The, 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 the eyes look more like dolls' eyes than they do now. Yeah, again, it's like Osama Tezuka was a big, like he was the forerunner of a lot of that stuff. I think that's definitely a good description. So you can you can tell like uh, Umezu is influenced by older style, and that's how he actually started off is by drawing like older normal stories, and then he started getting more and more into horror as his life went on, which is kind of interesting. Because his horror is real crazy, and it's contrasted very oddly against like this kind of like lighthearted looking characters. Like it looks very innocent compared to. Well, that's we yeah. see that right from the cover because the heart is like super detailed, which you would you usually don't see that kind of like detailed organ work outside of like horror or a textbook. And then the like the girl <laughs> is very speed racery and like in more innocent, and like she's young, like schoolgirl kind of yeah you know she's yeah. a high schooler yeah so it opens in the miyako high school newspaper club where we have a lot of young girls telling scary stories to each other as their friend arrives amiko-san and they're telling about the 100 tales legend which is if you sit around and by candlelight and you tell 100 scary stories something scary will happen after the 100th time which that seems like a really long time for me. Yeah, it really does. Like I, I tell like five ghost stories and it takes like at least an hour, if not longer. <laughs> I mean, we talk about like three issues and it takes us a fucking hour. Well, and a half. that's that. That's why no one found out what's happened at the hundredth time because everyone's like, "Why are we doing this?" Yeah, and they say like this must be just something that people came up with to make ghost stories even scarier. That like you have to keep an eye on how many you've told. So the girls are telling them, and then it very quickly is like. Now we're up to the 99th story, so I guess the first 98 were like pretty boring. Well, there are there are, there are some like really good like two sentence short stories. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, and they're like they're like high school girls, so I assume they're not like super accomplished writers and like career storytellers. So they they go to who is is it Amiko that tells the 99th story? No, no she tells it, the last it, one, it, the, it the final me. one, okay, hundredth one. So, wait, what's the name of the narrator for the 99th story? Hitomi. Hitomi. Okay, so Kitomi. Hitomi. Titomi? Hit. Titomi, that's what she's called. So, oh, okay, I see. Hitomi goes to tell the 99th story about how she was friends with Miyama Takaiko-san. I don't think we have to see all these names because we're having trouble with them. But there's only, like, there's only, like, three named characters. I want to know them. Yeah. So, when they were little girls, they made up, they were reading stories about heart transplants and they made a promise that if one of them had a heart disease and the other one died, they would give the heart to the other person, which seems like an extremely specific like pact to make. Yep. I found the story very relatable because <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, Phil and Daryl all have a pee pack. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's way different. 
<laughs> yeah, people pee their pants all the time. People don't die at the same time. Okay, as the... you have to give context. If one of us pees our pants, the other ones also have to pee their pants right away. It, it just, it, it just feels like this is something people do make a pact and then fear when they have to uh, own up to it, which is what happens here. <laughs> I am pretty scared. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between peeing your pants and giving you my heart, though. Yeah. This is, this is more relatable, like the, the fear of peeing your pants versus having your heart out. Like, this is more relatable. You have, you have the real heart, guys. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so immediately after like they say just after she starts to feel really strange after they sign the pact yeah after they make the pact and she learns that she has a heart disease that's getting worse and worse this is the girl this is the one telling the story yeah hitome hitome so when takaku finds out she gets very very scared and one thing that i find really interesting is as they I, this, I guess, is a common manga thing, but usually the art's very simple, and then whenever they do close-ups, especially when she's really scared, it's, like, much more line-heavy yeah, and much more detailed, and mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. I don't know how common that is. Yeah, it's especially, like, prevalent in a lot of... Well, I, actually, it's in, it's in, like, everything. Whenever you do, like, a dramatic close-up, you add a lot more shading. Yeah, but I guess because yeah. manga's usually, the, at least these examples, the art is usually, like, way simpler than a lot of the Western comics that I've read, that, like, the more detail stands out so much more in contrast. Mm-hmm. And we should know, like, all of these are black and white, like, manga's traditionally yes. just oh, yeah. black. And they're yeah. red right to left. If any Bakugaijin didn't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me and Ryan, uh, uh, after uh, Matt Darrow said, guys, you read uh, right to left, me and Ryan still fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, because, you know. I'm an idiot. Just just to be fair, Sly admitted to fucking it up earlier, and now it's just, he's retconning that. He's like, no, only Ryan fucked up. <laughs> no, no, I said I fucked up, me and Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Phil just wants a bone to pick. Yeah, mostly me. I'll kill you, Sly. Phil just wants a bone, or whatever you just said. Yours is a sold heart for real, Sly. Yeah, well, when we were younger, actually, we made a pact that, um, you know, if I ever died, uh, I would give Sly my heart and vice versa, so... <laughs> I'm planning on killing him. We should know the person that's the person that needs the heart gets the heart from the like the other person. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it would sound like you said, if I died, I give Sly like my dead heart. Oh, wait, that is what happens. <laughs> 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 Never mind, I'm confused. So I cut this out. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, so uh, Takako becomes very, very like paranoid, and everywhere she goes, she sees like car accidents and a big bag of garbage flying above her head. And she's just like wandering around, and I think that's like a crane, like it's like cement or something. It looks yeah. like a big bag of garbage. <laughs> so she's like getting so scared that she ends up locking herself in her house, and because she's afraid that now that just after they signed the pact, if her friend got sick, it must mean that she's gonna die. Yeah, she's trying to wait it out until her friend dies, basically, so she doesn't want to give. Her yeah, so out. we immediately feel a lot of sympathy for this character. <laughs> that's one thing. That's, that's one thing that's notable about uh, these works. Um, sympathetic protagonists are not uh, always high on the priority list. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's like it's understandable to be freaked out if the day after you're like, "Hey, if I ever get a heart disease, I'm gonna take it my your heart, my, your heart when you die." I know, then... but it's like I made I made a deal with my best friend, and as soon as I'm, I'm asked to own up to you, like shit. Fuck, gotta find a okay, way out of if this. one of you guys were like, if I ever get, like, a kidney disease, you have to give me a kidney. And then the next day you were like, oh, by the way, I went to the doctor. Turns out I have this disease. I would think that you were just fucking, like, catfishing. Not, that's not the right word. But you were, like, <laughs> pretending. You were tricking me into making this deal. And you'd be like, by the way, I have this disease. Uh, she, she's also just a teenage girl. She does not want to yeah. die. That's true. That's true. So, Because everyone else, we do it by this point. 25-year-old, 28-year-old <laughs> yeah. guy. I'll die. Yeah. Fucking so kill me. I will only die if it doesn't grant Sly extended life. 
<laughs> now, now you're gonna have to own up to it tomorrow. Yeah. So just of course I get caught. Someone's gonna come up to you with a gun and be like, "Do you want me? To, do you want me to kill you as long as I don't let Sly live?" And you're gonna have to be like, "Well, that was the pact I made." Yeah. So. So uh, speaking of really coincidental things that lead to someone dying. She's hiding in her house. She refuses to go scared. And then... She refuses to go scared. She refuses to go to school because of how scared she is. She refuses to get scared like, I'm, I'm a man, not motherfucker. <laughs> she refuses to go to school because she's so scared that a... And a truck drives right through her house. And, uh, like, it knocks down the framing of the house onto her. And she's seemingly dead. Kills her with, like, her wide... Her eyes are stuck, like, wide open. Yeah, and an onlooker who's standing outside goes, It looks like the girl inside died instantly. As if they could tell that from across the street and yeah. <laughs> they bring her into the hospital and the doctors say the same thing that like looks like she died instantly and they say oh they have this note that was signed by like 13 year old girls and the parents consent so they cut out her heart and give it to the what was her name Hitomi. yeah Hitomi. Hitomi. so they're like on the bed next to each other and it gets like pretty bloody I, sh- I should since Daryl didn't give the lore, I should give a little uh, lore on the artist Umezu. What's his name? Umezu? Yeah, Kazuo Umezu. He's a he's a artist who uh, was known for having children in very and uh, in very gory positions. Like he has children die in brutal ways. That that's kind of like one of his recurring uh, themes in his books, and you can see that developing in the story. Yeah, because like they're. You know, they're, like, these regular... They're, they're these, like, regular, normal-looking kind of, like, manga girls. And then, like, the sound effects that they have, like, when they cut out her heart and stuff, are, like, super gross. And, like, there's blood everywhere. And basically, that's how the story ends, is that saying, I was saved, and... Not this, the whole story. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Tommy's story. Uh, yeah. As part of the hundred yeah. stories. Yeah, so it cuts back to her, you know, talking to the young girls, and... And she's like, so miraculously, I survived without any complications or rejections or blood clots. And the more I think about it, the more awful it seems that our fates were decided by that first promise. And that ends the 99th story. And then the girl who walked in at the beginning of the story says, actually, I know about Takako-san. And they're all like, what? And she basically, like, recaps the beginning that she was really scared. She wouldn't go outside. But the change that she gives is that she actually wasn't dead. She was, I guess, put in, like... She was paralyzed or something. Yeah, she was paralyzed, and then somehow the doctors didn't notice she was alive. Bring her in, they say her ECG has stopped and her pupils are dilated. And so a doctor says, no doubt she died instantly, but she was still alive the whole time. And it, you get you get this, like, scary, like, her face, her eyes are stuck wide open. She looks, tr- like, obviously, like, terrified, and... She has thought bubbles just saying, I'm not dead yet. I'm alive. Help me. Yeah. And she's hearing them talk over her. Uh, well, let's remove her heart and give it to Hitomi-san. And this is when we actually see the heart removal and it's like splurt and rip and like really detailed, really gory, like super gross. It, she's thinking this whole time. She's like just screaming in her mind as her heart's being ripped out. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was the, the best part is that it just shows her yeah. blank face with her screams as you see them like ripping arteries and veins and blood flying out of her. Oh, it's so gross. But yeah, so they, they take her heart out and she's still screaming like, help me, help me. And she basically is just like lying there screaming silently as the newcomer wraps up that story and 
they're saying so she didn't die due to fate she was murdered by the heart transplant and then the original girl is like how do you know that and the girl telling the story Amiko she doesn't say anything she just stops and they grab her arm to be like how do you know and she doesn't have a pulse and she says I know because I'm Takako look and she rips open her chest and she has like a big hole where her heart should be a really disgusting gaping hole with like veins Ugh. and arteries like yeah yeah it looks like if there was just spaghetti falling out of this hole yeah it... and then her face shifts from the Emiko to Takako yeah to the dead girl and she basically is like well, not basically. She's literally like, Hitomi-san, give me back my heart. My heart was... St- That's one thing I always do. I always say, it's basically like this when it's literally like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my heart was stolen away from me. Give it back. And she's like, help, help. And the, I guess, like, zombie girl reaches in and rips her heart right out of her chest. It goes to silhouette. Yep. And it's, like, really, really cool. Because you see, like, the splatter and... She grabs the heart and then runs away going, tee Oh, it's really weird. <laughs> and then basically like they turn the lights back on and this and Akima the Amiko walks in I actually find it really funny because she, she's she's walking she says to herself I was supposed to take part in mystery clubs hundred tales but some urgent business came up and now I'm late she <laughs> yeah. says it to herself <laughs> and then at first I was like wait who is this and then they walk in and she's like hi guys I'm Amiko-san sorry I'm late and they're like you're the real one she's like what it looks like you've seen a ghost and then that's when she sees the body and she's like, oh, God. And she rolls the body over and we see this like this is the first time she's shown out of silhouette. And even though yeah. we already saw a girl with her heart ripped out, we see the we see Hitomi and it's like even grosser. Yeah. And so yeah. the girls like flip out and like they run and follow the trail of blood. Only the newcomer girl follows the trail of blood. Oh, Amiko. Yeah. And they follow her to, well, she follows the trail to the graveyard, and she finds the heart in front of Takako's grave. Yeah. And it's still warm to the touch. And. And they learned the heart was definitely Hitomi's. Uh, yeah. The one they ripped out. And it's basically how the story ends, just with a repetition of it said that when the hundred story is told, something strange will happen. Yeah, and this. Ooh, spooky, scary stuff happened. It was pretty spooky, scary. Like I thought this was pretty cool. I didn't think, you know, this one I didn't find creepy as much as it was like gory. Like I was like, uh, that's terrible. Like that's disgusting. I kind of like this one. Um, it, it wasn't like super scary, but it was very like uh, classic horror. Like people are telling us a, a horror story, and then it comes back in, into real life. Like what they just the story just told. Yeah. I, I always love stories like that where, where it uses a very classic setup of let's go tell crazy, scary stories and you find out actually I'm dead and then you murder yeah. somebody. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very traditional tale. Yeah, and especially I didn't know what to expect because I was like, oh, it's it's young girls telling scary stories. I thought it would be like a framing device for like a horror story. But then when the characters like became part of it, I just felt like it went a lot of unexpected places, especially that it was only 19 pages long. Well, that's why that, that uh, idea is always cool to me when it uses it as a frame. When a frame device, it turns out to be the story itself. Yeah, and I know, like, cool. that's, you know, something we see all the time. But, like, I just thought it was, and especially because, like, it was so, like, it's such, like, a traditional, like, I don't want to say cutesy, but cutesy setting. It's of, so like, cute when the heart gets ripped out. No, but I mean, like, of, like, young girls in, like, a club after school telling, like, scary stories to spook each other out. And then it, like, gets so gory and serious. Like, it just kind of caught me off guard, and I thought it was really cool. I liked it a lot. His 
I read a lot of stories to prepare for this because I was I was the one that picked out like two of these stories and I was trying to find what work would fit these guys best. And Umezu is I one of the craziest like authors and artists that I've read because of what he like he puts into his stories. Because the first thing I read was um, the Left Hand of God, which if like anyone knows it, you're like, oh okay. But for those that don't know it, it's it's these like strange tales about this kid that has like the god and the devil in him, and they're like influencing events. And it, the very first story opens with scissors emerging from a girl's eyes, and it's six panels of like the most brutal and violent like way of picturing that of just scissors emerging straight out of her eyes as she's sleeping. <laughs> That's what things about uh, Japanese horror in general. Uh, they're they're a lot more. Uh okay with gore and American like American American horror now is more gory but for a long time we were more uh, the chiller s- setup where it's more about setting up atmosphere setting up a foggy atmosphere and stuff like that where horror, Japanese horror will, will be like knives coming out of a girl's eyes mm-hmm. and people ripping out hearts and stuff in brutal full page action you know what I mean yeah and it, this it, it is funny just seeing his style and, like, what he'll do to little girls, and especially, like, in uh, parts of the drifting classroom, what he does to little kids. Like, he has one guy stab a kid in the back, and the kid's holding a gun and he shoots another child, and it's like, this is just really crazy, like, almost Battle Royale stuff just with children instead of teenagers. I, 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 I found this pretty generic. I mean, so you were not a big fan, Phil. I wasn't a big fan of this one. I, I, I really like, like you said, we see it so much, and it's cool to see like the archetype. But um, I was never like excited or like interested. I was never sexually excited. <laughs> well, definitely not. But I was also just not like. I was like, that's interesting, but I wasn't really into it. Yeah. So maybe we'll do fair better for our second story: lullabies from hell. Yeah. <laughs> By Hideshi Hino. Do you have anything on Hideshi Hino, or are you just gonna go into this too? Uh, um, God damn you, Sly. Why are you making me do lore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has some interesting backstory. Like? <laughs> well, now I'm just looking up a wiki. This this comic is what Daryl's going to do to you, Sly, from putting him on the spot. <laughs> okay, so, lullabies from hell. So, uh, Daryl, do you know anything about Hidemi? What's his face? Hideshi Hino? Hideshi Hino. Uh, he had a troubled childhood. Obviously. I can tell from the story. <laughs> This is basically like uh, like a fucking autobiography of a, a sociopath. Uh, when I was reading this, for the first half, I was like, I think this guy's Daryl. I thought the same thing. I thought <laughs> no. the same thing. It's like Daryl writing something. Like It's like, I'm I'm technically somebody else, but you could tell it's Daryl. No, he says, this. my name is Hideshi Hino in the first line. Yeah, I know, but yeah. that's Daryl's pen name, apparently, because this guy is just Daryl. <laughs> I, I honestly yeah. thought the same. I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, this is like when Daryl had a, a square guy in Mind's Existence and... Oh, that weird guy, the Russian guy in uh, the other story. And, but it's really just Daryl. All these guys are just Daryl. Anyway, this is uh, Lullabies from Hell, and it starts with a man strung up on a crucifix with nails in him and little demons, like, stabbing people's heads. It's like a, almost like a assembly line of people's heads. They're just stabbing their daggers into their heads. Yeah, like, you said you said nails, but, like, like these nails are, like, stakes, like, giant stakes for some yeah. of them. So, like, yeah. the, the guy in the crucifix has a giant pole through his the middle of his chest. Hino's art is like really kind of simplistic. It's cartoony. It's, it's very. It's very cartoony. It, yeah, yeah I, I found it really like 
Distur- disturbing. It reminds me of like it's not like Tim Burns exactly, but it's more like uh, that level of abstraction, like and distinctness and style, especially that... in the way he draws faces. Yeah, I was about they to say, have really the... exaggerated features. Their eyes, eyes, like their eyes, are like bugging out always. Everyone yeah. looks like they could be Frankenstein's monster. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so it starts, and it shows like this guy with like these really dark set eyes and like the creepy uh, little dots. For pupils he says my name is hideshi hino i am a mangaka who obsesses over bizarre and terrible things I'm, oh i'm sorry i meant mangaka <laughs> <laughs> he, he he explains that he's like he lives in a city where the sunset's been ruined by all these like smokestacks that blot out the sky the ditch in front of his house changes color every day from blood red to pus green to yellow like bile it's like it's like that river in Russia, and the Russian government's like, "Oh, that's, that red's fine. That's a normal color for a river, right, guys?" <laughs> you know, I I keep hearing you say he, but I feel like it would make more sense to the listener if you referred to yourself in the first person. Dale. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, he explains that like he collects grotesque and unique things, and he has fits every night where he cuts off his fingers and ears and stores them in a jar. He has a lot of weird pets. He's basically just saying, like, I'm just a really weird guy. It's more than... Yeah. No, it's more than weird. It's more than weird. He has... <laughs> skeletons in his closet. Yeah, he has a bunch of dead animals, and, like, he's cutting off his own fingers. It's more well, than... I say he was really weird. Yeah. He cuts <laughs> off his own fingers, but then in the next panels, he has all his fingers. Rosenbeck. <laughs> yeah. He's Wolverine, actually. He's a <laughs> So then he explains when he was a little... He was a sickly and depressing kid, and he was interested in freakish and horror things. When I, I find probably he called himself a sickly depressing kid, not a sickly depressed kid, because he is depressing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is. And this child has like the fucking bulgiest eyes I've ever seen. It's like it's, <laughs> it's like ET kind of hair. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but ET but uglier. <laughs> yeah. So then he explains like his mother was demented, and she has like one big eye and one little eye, and she sings. It looks songs like upstairs. one of her eyes is trying to escape from her face. <laughs> yeah, and you see like the like red like veins or capillaries or whatever in in her eye. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not red. Like, it's like a- everyone's got like the veins in their eyes yeah. bulging almost, and or she... everyone with big eyes. And she sings a song that's like, "Fall, fall, come fall down to the bottom of hell, sea of blood, sea of fire, mountain of needles. Can't you hear the groan of the dead?" It's kind of a shitty song. It's probably better. It's it's probably it probably rhymes with something in Japanese. It's probably better in its native Japanese. Yeah, like yeah. everything. Bakugaijin. Uh, you should yeah. read the the subtitles. You fucking assholes. Yeah, fucking subs, not dubs, bros. It's true. That is true. So <laughs> that's like it's true. Yes, yes. Qu- good point, yeah. Deborah. <laughs> she says like she, she hates her son. She thinks he's a devil and says, "Don't come near me." It says, "I could not nurture any affection for a mother like her." And his father wasn't any better he was always working at a factory so you never like got to see him he was always distant one thing i just want to say i i do really like the way that narration is because whenever i see these like kids that are neglected by their parents it's always like how come she couldn't show me affection and i really like that he kind of takes the position of power in this story where he's like i couldn't nurture any affection for a mother like her like he's not making excuses i guess is the way i would put it like he's saying like i'm the one that keeps us distant kind of thing i just found that really interesting that he takes the onus of the affection yeah and uh he says that his brother was a horrible yakuza which is like a japanese gangster which fun fact his hideshi hino's grandfather was an actual yakuza huh. so and i didn't know your your family had times to the uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he says like the uh the maid 
took care of him. It's like this ugly maid, and she despises him. So basically, like everyone just hates him. That was in this everyone. House. The story's ugly. Like you can, like you just assume when you mention characters, they're ugly. Like, <laughs> the brother yeah. looks like he's about to grow like a unicorn horn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like he has a big bump in his front of his head. Yeah, yeah. It's and uh, Deshi Hino. Little he says, "Is it any wonder that my interest in everything ugly and grotesque got deeper and deeper?" And he's standing next to like a rat that has two like spikes in it. Is it a rat? I thought it was a dog. I thought it was a dog, too. No, it's a rat first. It's a rat in the first panel, and then on the next page, he ties up a dog. And this is when we start to really get into Hino's stuff. He ties up a dog, gets a knife out, and starts cutting open the dog, takes out its intestines, and throws it into, like, formaldehyde jar. One thing I find interesting about the way he draws animals in pain, he doesn't draw them like we would draw them now, like, like being compassionate human beings. Like, we would focus on their looking sad, but he draws them looking demonic the entire time as they're dying. And and like, like <laughs> that's true. Like like we show a cat be mutilated too, and he's just angry the entire time. He's not like meow, help me. Fuck. He's just like rah, eat your face off. Looks yeah. like. I mean, I mean to be fair, the humans all look demonic in this too. Like everything, this looks like an actual hellscape the entire time. Which yeah, kind I, of... but I just mean like I just mean like you could tell like this is the way the show just shows people in pain is from a sociopathic point of view. Yeah, yeah. So, so he says like he hid everything like all the animal viscera into jars that he'd hide in his closet including things like roundworms tapeworms caterpillars snakes frogs and lizards and worms that were bred out of his body and then he like he pictures himself commanding legions of hell and they're all running around killing each other and he's like yeah go everyone attack and throwing rocks on each other they're eating people's heads and stuff too and there's crucified yeah, people there's like birds like ripping out a guy's intestines as he screams. There's a guy ripping some guy's skin off. There's uh, people getting crushed with boulders and just. And remember too, this is all drawn like a very simplistic kind of like cartoony style too. Yeah. But there's not a lot of shading other than just on like the borders of the panels. It's still really just fucking disgusting the whole time. It's like it really is. <laughs> yeah. And then he said before he knew it, he memorized his mother's song of hell, and he he'd enjoy drawing pictures and singing the song of hell to himself and then he was wishing that he could kill people for real so then it goes to like a scene of like all these bullies that are picking on him because they want money from him so they, they beat they beat up you know they're saying like get him you smart asters you're right come back here tomorrow at the money and he's just like cursing himself he's like damn it die die fall fall to the bottom of hell yeah he's repeating his mom's saying now to them yeah. yeah, and then he like. What's funny is a lot of times he does this too. He draws himself like kind of cross-eyed. I also like how here he's like he says I hated them so much, too much, as if like this whole time he hasn't hated people, and now he's like I'm brimming. The, like, the, you know, uh, keep it under control. Like I, yeah. I hate him too much. I hate him at a certain level. Yeah. yeah. So then he draws pictures of them dying while he sings his song, and then surprise. They died just like the way I imagined. They died for real. It's like a car ran over one. Other guys just dead in a ditch. And when the and car then... ran over him, it's not just like, oh, car ran over him. Like, he's, he got decapitated <laughs> by his car running over him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, his arms are, like, so far apart, like, ripped off. Like, yeah. this guy got, this truck must have backed over him, like, five or six <laughs> times. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So then he has, like, all these gravestones, and on like, he does the normal like crucifix plus with twigs except he impales animals on them i love that you yeah. call it a plus <laughs> <laughs> cross <laughs> oh, plus, plus dead people that's what it means right yeah, yeah. plus one plus yeah. one dead guy in <laughs> or hell it should be a minus death. Shouldn't it be? It should be like every every grave should be a minus sign yeah 
Yeah, I'm sure that's what they're going for. They're trying to do math when they're... <laughs> yeah. God, God realized it too late. He's like, ah, oh, it should have been a minus sign. Yeah. You got that's why all those people are wearing those like uh, math necklaces all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, the addition fan club. His mom finds all of his jars of stuff. And uh, all his, all his uh, animals and shit jars and everything. You, I really yeah. wish you guys like listening could see these panels. The mom's face as she sees it is just like this demented. Like she has that one bulging eye, the one swollen small eye. Her mouth is open, and it zooms in on her face. Then it zooms in on his face with his like one giant, one giant pupil cross-eyed. It's got like, like a bat nose. Yeah, I think just... this page is probably going to be the one that I use as the episode cover on Facebook. Okay. Because <laughs> I always upload the episode covers the weekend after. So check back in a few days and you can see how fucking weird this is. So yeah. the dad ties him up and he's like, you need to apologize to your mother, but he doesn't say anything. I don't get why he ties him up. <laughs> well, it's, it's a different culture. You're allowed to tie <laughs> yes. up your children. At a different time. You know, that's the version of a timeout. Like you actually, uh, it's called a tie out. You know what I mean? God, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Great. I, I like that one. Yes. I give it plus one. <laughs> I'm going to minus you later. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to crucify him on a big plus. I'm going to minus existence you later. Plug for Daryl's book. Plug number two for Daryl's book in this episode. <laughs> Wait, Daryl's book, like the one we're reading right now? Yeah. I know, it's the second one. Minus existence uh, and uh, Lullabies from Hell. The two Daryl books you got to pick up, guys. This is how like <laughs> creepy these books are. That These are our idea of funny goofs to make. Like Pluses are like crosses, right, guys? <laughs> So uh, his dad slaps him, yeah, and he's like, "You need to apologize. What are you doing?" And he's kind of like staring at his own wounds there on his face, and he's like, "You, you have to stay there until you're ready to talk and no dinner." So then he leaves, and then the mother comes over and goes, "You're you're a devil, a scary devil," and she starts ripping out his hair. She's like smiling. Yeah, she's laughing. She's, yeah, <laughs> you're she's a scary beating devil. him with a bamboo pole. She's stepping on his head, and the dad comes back and he's like, "Okay, that's enough. Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> so then. Uh, he says, like, all of his treasures were thrown to a ditch or burned, like all the animals he had in the intestines. And he says, my mother bullied me when it happened. The maid was sure to be out shopping and the father was away, working at the factory, of course. And she, she this, isn't, this is more than bullying. She, like, like abuses him, like, ties him up to the ceiling. Upside down, yeah. Yeah, with, with his mouth like covered as she like these are methods that punish uses to question his victims. Like, this is not bullying. <laughs> yeah, she's just the punisher. <laughs> yeah. She Jack Bowers them. Yeah, basically. She gets a needle. She stabs it into the palm of his hand. Ugh. Oh, my God. She she burns his ha- hands with a candle. She s- rakes across her, his face with her fingernails that leave scars. He yeah. says, I had fresh wounds every day. And he's saying to himself, die, be dead, fall down to the bottom of hell, fall. And he started wishing for, wishing for her death every night. Yep. And yeah. a few days later, my mother went missing. But I knew where she was, and then you get this great panel of him running, like, excitedly I love and happily. It. it reminds me of, like, what is that webcomic I'm thinking of? <laughs> Someone help me out. Just look I, at that panel. Uh, give us some ex- uh, clues, maybe? Instead yeah, of just... give us something to go off of. What's uh, a webcomic that exists? Okay. Penny Arcade. That they, have th- that they have this, that they have this, like, facial expression all the time. Oh, uh, Perry Bible Fellowship? No, oh, no. maybe, yeah, Perry Bible Fellowship. Oh, yeah, Bible it's Fellowship. definitely PBF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, and he looks like he's just so happy. He's like, "Yeah, he's running to the sewers." He looks, he pulls over the manhole cover. And he's still smiling. He's like, "Yeah." Yeah. It's, it's the closest kind of comes to like a punchline where he's, he looks like he's happy about something. <laughs> so of course, something gross and horrific. Like a PBF comic. Yeah, he hops down and he goes, "Hey, there she is. She's already rotting it." And then it's his mother's 
big decomposing face with a gas bloated belly that made her belly bulge like a balloon and he's poking it with a bamboo shoot yeah she's in the sewer so all the methane in the sewer made her belly bulge yeah he's like serves her right and then he sings a song to her while her corpse is there. Every, every day. day. He comes yeah. here every day. 420. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he 420 fall fall to the bottom of hells with her every day. Yeah. <laughs> and he, then we cut to him as adults saying how happy he was about that. That he could hardly sleep at night. Yeah, and he learned that he could kill anyone just by wishing upon the person he hated. He says, like, uh, don't you want to, like... Wouldn't you do this? Like, he's like, you want to kill one or two? I'm sure there are people you'd want to do. The thing is, I can do You'd want to. That you want to. That's everyone, right? Everyone wants to do people, right? Yeah. That you'd want yeah. to kill. Uh, so, like, now I could do it. And then, like, they're all saying... He has a f- he mer- like, there's a friend that took his money and ran that he makes, like, all these, like, steel girders drop on him and kill him. There's a rival mangaka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they make... Fucking lightning. Strike with yeah. lightning. Everyone else has these super, like visceral violent deaths and this guy gets hit by lightning and has like a charred umbrella like like a Bugs Bunny character <laughs> and his little toupee falls off yeah <laughs> and then there's an editor that insulted his manga he gets thrown by steamroller oh my god I, I killed him in the most vicious way his eyeballs it's... pop out and roll around yeah I like that his head just his eyeballs popping out and they li- they literally write under it Shonen Magazine his brother's just gets that's really uninspired <laughs> yeah but his dad gets his head stuck between some gears and crushed, which is yeah. great. But you think that you think that brother will have the worst fate than the the editor? The or brother him. didn't do yeah, a lot. Yeah, he was him. barely there in the story. Yeah, was he was he worse than was he better than the Dude, dad? The dad beat him. I mean, he still gets stabbed in the gut. Like that's not a fun way to go. <laughs> I get stabbed in the gut. They run over by steamroller. I feel like if I got run over by steamroller, I'd have to suffer for like eight seconds. Getting stabbed in the gut would be an eternity of hell. Yeah. All right, so I need to make me enough for later. Ryan prefers stabbing in the gut. Okay, good to know. No! <laughs> so he says everyone he met, uh, everyone met a miserable end. Everyone I met, I killed. <laughs> I, inherited, I inherited my father's estate. Now I can do, in, live doing what I enjoy most, drawing manga. And uh, he's singing the song again. And he says the next person that's going to die. And then on the next panel, he's just pointing at the reader saying, you, you're dead next. Now that you know my terrible secret, I can't let you live. That's why I warned you not to read this manga. But it's too late. You'll die three and days. And then he hammers another big plus on the door. <laughs> you'll die three days after you read this manga. How yeah. you do is a secret. But you'll die in more heinous ways than any murder I've committed so far. And then he sings the song. Well, he stares like really menacingly and maniacally at the reader. You know how you mentioned like in the previous story how they have framing devices for scary stories? And then it turns out... That this, the frame device actually is a scary story. I like to imagine like this. The, uh, this podcast is a frame device, and they are presenting the story as a frame device. And it turns out I'm actually the writer, and now you all are going to die. <laughs> Daryl just uh, what was that movie? The Ring. Yeah, basically. he's just the ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why it was funny when I was reading it. I'm like, oh, I have to do this. I mean, then. if you guys are listening to this episode, we must have put it up a week or two after we recorded it, so we're alive. So fear not, unless. Daryl's the only. What if we found like an automated? Daryl's the only survivor actually because yeah. he wrote yeah. it, so he's gonna put. Daryl actually uh, after this he's gonna just p- p- imitate our voices, so we'll, no one ever know the difference. Yeah, that'll be easy to do. Ah, I'm Ryan. <laughs> I nailed it. Yeah, you got it. Ryan. It's the well, only one I need. <laughs> wait, Ryan. Ryan, are you here twice in this conversation? <laughs> I hear you guys. twice. <laughs> Green Lantern's light, guys. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> DC is better than Marvel. You guys have no idea. <laughs> All right, so 
Did, did we like this comic? I liked it. I I hated it. You hated it. You hated it. I I didn't. Yeah, I kind of. It's it's just too much. Not enough story. Too much. Just horrible things happening. I think the creepy element for me was a lot more here than the stolen heart. Um, like you're right that it's mostly like just gore, but the the fucking art style is so disgusting. And like his his creepy faces. Like, he looks at his creepy mom, and then he like wishes like that he's the prince of hell and stuff. It's just it's it's like. This is more hellish to me than the other one was by far. I agree with that. Like, it is uh, more creepy, but it just doesn't work as well as a story to me. Like, it just it just feels like it's... If, if you took the, the, these, this this art style and made a more, like, actual narrative rather than this guy saying, I had a shitty life and I imagine everyone in my life was dead and my manga, I can kill people with it, I would like it better. But, like, it just seems too much like, man, imagine, like, I, I wish I could just cut off lizards and kill my family and all this shit and it just doesn't connect in, in the way that's satisfying I actually like the first one a little more but this one I think is more interesting so like even though I, I kind of liked the archetype of the first one but this one I thought the art was cooler I thought like the just thematically I just I thought it was like I would be more likely to recommend this even though I personally like the first one more Well, I know something even more demented you wrote this no, <laughs> that, yeah, that's the twist. You made it finally. No, I've read two other entire like uh, issues of his stories where he kills his family, uh... and it's the same thing where his mother's like really demented. I wish I found a story. I wanted to show you guys his grandfather and grandmother because his grandfather is the actual yakuza guy, and his grandmother he always makes a bird woman. She's half bird and she's always laying eggs. I what? mean, I mean, it's it's really weird. A lot of times, art is like an expression of like some kind of latent trauma or a lot of like, times grandparents are bird people you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my beef my beef is that uh it, it is true that you know you you, you have uh a, like a fake narrative i don't know to say a fake persona you have yourself in a story but you imagine the events around you uh, loosely inspired by what happened in real life but i've seen this done before uh, with more of a story to fulfill it. Yeah. it just feels too much like uh, what I wish would happen in real life. I wish my mom was yeah, dead. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and yeah. they do like really. You can sum the story up in like one sentence: guy can kill people by thinking about it, and does. But yeah. I, I feel like part of his appeal is you, you're supposed to be in it for kind of the revolting aspect. Yeah, because yeah, like, they don't try to stuff. make anybody likable. Yeah, because his horror, in a way, is kind of after reading like a lot of it, like uh, Red Snake and Collection, his horror is kind of supposed to be fun. <laughs> Like it's it's real demented, but it's it's demented in like a lighthearted way where it's like, like a black comedy, you would say. Yeah, it's sort of like how he, the him, the author is enjoying it, and there, he's always having fun, and he like tells all the other tales. And there's even some tales like where he gets his like his mother's pregnant, and when she dies, he finds the half-born fetus in her womb, but like it's still alive, so it like winks at him, and then he keeps it in a jar, and he says like we go on picnics together. Like it's supposed to be real, like gross but not not like real there's not like suffering kind of the same way that umez's story was about suffering this is what bringing up because uh, personal taste always factors into horror and stuff like this i always view horror as a very personal thing like humor you can't say i you can't tell explain why something is scary or funny it's just something you feel in, instinctually you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. if you explain yeah. it you're just gonna say i i still don't get it like i have to feel it and for me black comedies i've never been a big fan that's why it's probably why i wasn't a big fan of Punisher, Deadpool, Kill the Mario Universe. I probably was a big fan of Archer vs. Predator. I'd rather have to see stuff played straight more than funny. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. 
I think that's definitely yeah. fair. I, I also found the the end kind of like one of those fucking Facebook posts that's like, now <laughs> yeah. that you if you don't share this, the boogeyman will get you. Yeah, buy, you buy my manga for another person or I kill you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what do we got here? The Enigma of Amagara Fault. By Junji Ito. Ito. This was my favorite of the ones we read. Oh, mine too. I really liked it. It was Unfortunately, it was the first one I read too, so the rest I was like, eh. Oh. This, this one actually creeped me out a lot. This is the one I recommend for the show, and it's the one we all like the most. Coincidence? Uh, I liked I liked the Stolen Heart the most. Well, uh, Ryan's the one who sucks the most, and but he likes that one the most. I don't want so. you to think I didn't like this one. Like this one was still really great. I wish uh, we'll uh, we'll discuss favorites at the end. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I already discussed it. Sorry. Um, Shit. So it's the cover is just a kid in the mountains backpacking and a girl behind him, and then in the background there's like some kind of it looks like a a big piece of rock, like a rock formation with like shadows of almost like human looking bodies, but we can't really tell what it is. Yeah. And then we get a narrative of a guy saying, you know, not too long ago, there was an earthquake. Um, several towns and villages got destroyed. And following the earthquake, there was a large fault, uh, discovered near the epicenter of the earthquake. And it's a long fault. Like so a ground fault, not like an error or mistake. Oh, yeah, people would get confused about God. that. There's an, there's an error in the world. And, and when they say epicenter, it's actually the point directly above the focus of the earthquake. Yes. And uh, <laughs> so they say the fault is deep, and they don't mean deep in the sense like this fiction is a deep work. They mean like it's physically, <laughs> physically like down in the earth. Um, Several miles long. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's kilometers, Daryl. You fucking imperialist. I, I was I was helping out since since we were all <laughs> helping out all our stupid readers that don't know anything. Yeah, uh, listeners, they're not would... viewers, they're not readers, they're listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we're the stupid people and the twist. Me can't talk good. The, the least shocking twist ever. Turns out we're the idiots. <laughs> I, that's not a twist. That's that's the premise of our of this whole story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. You mean this story or the story you're reading? The story of our lives. Anyway, this guy, this kid is climbing through the mountains and he... Uh, he meets a girl. He, yeah, he's like, hey, I'm a Waki. What's your name? And she's like, I'm Yoshida. And he's like, hey, are you uh, looking for the fault? Um, that's, I'm looking for that. And she's like, yeah, I saw it on TV. I knew I had to come see it. And, she's, and he's, he's like, like you're too. a woman all by yourself. I mean, no offense. A woman hiker all alone. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we should also mention the art style uh, compared to the other two. Uh, I really love uh, Jinju Ito's art style. It's it's the most realistic out of the three. Yeah, uh, like like the they do have anime eyes, but the, like they could this could uh, it's more closer to like it's yeah it's like it's not like modern anime uh, high budget production eyes. It, it, yeah, they look like just more normal human faces with very simplistic features, like a little line for the nose, the line for the mouth. Like the eyes aren't super extravagant; they're just like they're short and narrow. He yeah. also puts a lot more detail into backgrounds, which yep. in the other ones, the backgrounds didn't really matter that much. But in this one, it, it, you have to get the scope of, like, the mountain they're on because it's, yeah. it's, like, the main part of the whole story. So, like, I, I really liked how much more detailed this was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're walking through looking for this fault. And, like, it's a wonder of nature. No wonder the entire country's transfixed on this. And they hear people talking. And they're like, oh, it must be the others who've come here. And when they show up, it gives a full page of... This giant rock formation, this fault, jutting out of the ground with a crowd in front of it. And this rock formation has human-sized, like, silhouettes on it. 
Like, you know, you know cartoons when they run through a door? It looks like a bunch of cartoons yeah. just ran through this, this mountain. This is yeah. the mountain that Wile E. Coyote consistently runs into. Yeah. And they, and they say immediately, like, these are thousands of human-shaped holes found in the fault exposed by the earthquake. So there's a bunch of people here. There's people researching it. There's just visitors. And they're all just staring in front of this, like, ginormous rock fault that has just human-sized shapes all over it. The holes are, like, sometimes child-shaped. Sometimes they're, you know, man, he- woman, larger, heavier people. Thinner. Yeah. And the researchers are examining it and they're like, they put a 30 meter fiber scope in it and they can't find the end. Yeah. And they, they're like, I don't know uh, how deep this goes. And, and I, I want to commend Juji Go on his work of how well he's able to depict each of the holes. Because it's like, when you think about drawing a hole, you just like draw a person filled in black. But what he does is he does like outlines yeah. Over and over, if you think about like drawing the outline of a person and drawing the same thing just inside of it over and over until it's smaller, and it's like it it it's very well done. It's very evocative of like this is clearly a hole. You yeah. can see you can see it uh, getting uh, lighter as it gets towards the entrance and darker as it goes deeper down. Yeah, and each one is so unique. Like they really look like people cast in shadow. Like that's how and like some of them, like you said, some of them are heavier. Some of them are like small children. But each one, it doesn't just look like he copy-pasted a bunch of holes. Yeah, not yeah. at all. And, like, the shading, like you said, is really excellent. Mm-hmm. And the researchers start to say it's impossible that this could be natural. Someone must have dug out from the inside, but they don't have no idea how or how you even get in the mountain to do it. So they're like, they must be ancient. What are they for? And then he, um, Yoshida, the girl, he sees her, what's the guy's name, Owari? Yeah. He, sees, he sees Yoshida looking around nervously, and he's like, what's up? And she basically says, I saw on TV... I know I saw one of these holes that was my shape. Yeah. And she's like, I, I know it. It was my silhouette. It was based on me. I swear. And he's like, these holes are supposed to be thousands of years old. How could they have based it on you? I he said, and he says, that's kind of egotistical, don't you think? And she's like, don't, <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking. Don't make fun of me. I knew it was me. It doesn't have to make sense. Typical woman, all right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, he's, he's trying to be like, how could that be? And she's like, I, there's some kind of like, Something is telling her that this is her home. Yeah, I yeah. just know. She's she's also saying like it doesn't make sense. I just know. Yeah, women's intuition must be. What, what was that <laughs> that fucking line from the Batman thing? It's like women's something that didn't have to be women's. I don't know. Sometimes a girl is just a girl, and they have to find their hole. <laughs> oh God! Women's curiosity. Yeah, women's yeah. curiosity. Yeah, My woman's happens. curiosity wouldn't let me rest. Yeah. Um, and as she's yelling at him about this, another random guy uh, shows up. And he's like, I felt the same way. I'm here to look for my hole. And he's this, like, gaunt, skinny, kind of eerie-looking guy. That's one thing I have to point out. Also, oh, the people look very distinctive. It's not like a typical anime where people all look... Uh, yeah, like, like I couldn't tell the difference between any of the girls, really, in the first story. Yeah. When they were all sitting around. Yep. And this guy, he's like, I finally found my hole. This is it. See how perfectly I fit? You don't believe me? Well, I don't blame you. I'll prove it. And he basically takes off his clothes... And just fucking start slipping and sliding into that <laughs> hole. Yeah. It does literally say slip. It's really, like, it's creepy to watch because he fits perfectly and he's just, like, wiggling forward. And Yeah, yeah if, if you think about, like, a child's toy, like, with the, the square shape and the circle shape that you put yeah. through, just imagine putting a person shape just, through. Just out of context, a guy taking his clothes off and it's like, I'll prove this is my hole right now. And he takes his <laughs> pants off and just faces them in his underwear. I, I like. I was like, if this wasn't such a good story, I would be twelve years old and laughing at this the whole time. You know, this is one of those stories that like this. The, the premise sounds really dumb, but I was creeped out just 
this whole time like because it really gets into i think it really gets in, you into the idea of how this will work, feel in real life too because like we said those those toys you you put slot you slot into it and sometimes in real life you have a hard time like getting them out they're so perfectly fit that's kind of how these people are like they can't even move their arms and legs as they squeeze and move like snakes through this this uh, tunnel as they fit perfectly in also knowing phil's performance anxiety as soon as he sees a hole he knows he has to go in he just clams up <laughs> fuck you <laughs> I go in. I mean, never mind. <laughs> I go in holes perfectly, Ryan. Fuck you. Do you know how many holes I've been in? More holes than you. So he says, uh, people start freaking out. They're like, "Oh my god, he I can't believe he went in. Uh, he's not gonna be able to get out." And the the researchers start uh, putting that the fiber optic camera in. They're like, "There's no trace of him with 30 meters." They try to put their hose into the hole. Yeah, they do put their hose into the hole, and they can't find anything. Yeah, and. They basically call in rescue squads um, that are trying to enter the hole to look for him. They put cameras in. They have no. They they don't see him at all. I like that they get this one guy that's five foot two inches tall to try and go in. And it's just it's this funny just picture of him trying to like crawl in the hole sideways. I don't know. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, I was the only one who could like fit in like crawl spaces to like fix pipes and stuff. So I understand being like, "You're tiny. Go in that hole." <laughs> But they don't yeah. want to, like, go... They're not trying to, like, go too deep. They're not trying to, like... And also, I don't know if they actually can fit just because the shape was so perfect for him. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, sa- it says later that he, the rescue squad member had to retreat after going no more than five meters in. Oh, uh, okay. And also, um, you get Yoshida's face this whole time. She's the one who was, like, thinking about her hole. She looks, like, shot, like freaked out. She's sweating and shivering. And then we cut to the nighttime, and uh, Owari is sleeping, and he has a nightmare... And in his dream was the guy who went into the hole. He is and, him in the dream. Right. He is yes. Nagakagi. And he says, in my dream, I was completely trapped in pitch black darkness, hundreds of meters into the hole. And he's just freaking out. He's like, I can't move. I'm stuck. The earthquake, the hole must have been deformed by the earthquake, so I can't move. Someone help. And he then he wakes up. And he's like, oh, man, good thing it was just a nightmare. And he thinks, like, is he still down there writhing naked in that hole? Maybe he got rescued. And he goes up. And he's like, hey, Yoshida, did you hear anything? And she's like, no, he's still gone. And she's like, she brings him to the spot and says, I have to show you something. And she says, I found it. I found my hole. Um, And she's like, this is it. He's like, it's kind of like you. And she's like, no, this is identical to me. And then her eyes like bug out. She's sweating profusely. And she's like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. This is my tunnel. They dug it for me. And he's like, no, no, it's just a coincidence. It just happens to look at you. And she, she's convinced this is my tunnel it was made for me to enter it's been waiting for me all that time it was underground and when i go in i'll be trapped in this hole and it's just a really freaky scene because she's like she knows she doesn't want to go in but she like is compelled yeah by this like she's being called to it i think that's the most interesting part about this because it's so much in horror i'm like why would they do this thing and this like having her admit like i understand this makes no sense I know I shouldn't do it, but, like, I have to. My favorite type of horror is, like, this kind of reminds me of, like, some weird, like, like eldritch, like, like, esque uh, Japanese manga stuff where it's, like, it's, like, this otherworldly, like, calling that you can't resist because, it, like you were saying, Ryan, in horror, a lot of times I, I really get taken out of it because I'm, like, you know, why would, why would you do Why it? would you go out upstairs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why would you go in this maze? But yeah. when there's, like, some kind of, like, thing that we don't understand as humans that is, like, pulling us in, it's, I, I, like... Especially, like, something like this, where your curiosity, like, what what, what what made this hole for me? What's waiting on the outside for me? Like, why... And it's clear that it wants me to go through it, and... Like, how uh, could there have been a hole underground for thousands of years that is made for me? 
Yeah, it's it's great because a lot of horror is based around like an enemy or an antagonist or a villain that you have to somehow defeat or flee from. But here, it's just like it's this thing that you're compelled to engage with. Yeah, it's just a, a strange thing in the world that makes no sense. Like like it's a force beyond human, so it's like you kind of like you can't do anything but succumb to it. And I know which, speaking I've, of, I've talked about on the show how like I don't really like horror very much, but this is the kind of horror that I can get into. Same. Uh, this is the horror. This is the horror I love, and uh, the, the best type of horror. The problem with a lot of horror stories, I feel, they feel compelled to have a villain, and also they can feel compelled to have like a set of rules to how to beat them. But the uh, real scary stuff is when you don't even know like what what you're dealing with, what what's going on really. Like the unknown is what's really scary, and here we never get any answers to what this fault really is or what it's doing here. Yeah, that's that's why I was I mentioned Lovecraft before because I was just thinking like in those stories, there's like. A lot of times it's just like some unknown like it's it's always like an unknown presence or whatever. That... And also love crafting creatures are always undefeatable in a lot of cases. And like usually all the protagonists usually do is survive or maybe stave off the apocalypse for a few years, something like that. Or they go crazy most of the time. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's like I, I just like that a lot more that it's like you it's creepy because you don't know anything about it. Or you don't know much about it. Yeah. So then we cut to back to the crowd they're like we never found that guy and another kid climbs up to his hole he's like this is my hole it was made for me I have to go in I have I'm to like, say this because this, this is actually a meme online this is how I actually know about the story uh, people say this a lot this is my hole it was made for me <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know maybe that'd be funny like, out of context in the context of the story I was like freaked out I know that's, that's why it's funny because I, I knew it out of context I'm like, that's a funny that's a funny joke and I, then I read the comic I'm like oh my god this is scary yeah and he climbs in and he's like tell my mom goodbye and people start going nuts then, and everyone starts going to their holes. Uh, not everyone, like several people do. Yeah, but it's like a, a crowd of people are doing it. Like he said, like a uh, not a standard. I don't know a trend. I don't know the term is. Yeah, yeah. Like like by doing it, he like was the first one, so everyone started doing it. And now Yoshida's freaking out, screaming, "No, no, I'm scared. I'm gonna have to enter the hole, and I'm gonna die in there. I'm gonna die inside that hole." And I just like to mention, like uh, they have a lot of the stories also. Uh, just these two characters interact with each other and, and talking about the fears of the hole and stuff. Yeah. Versus like the other story where you don't get as much uh, character interaction depth as yeah. the story. Yep. Yeah, they're kind of just typical tales. Like then this person did this and then this happened. Whereas yeah. this yeah. this one's more about the struggle of the impulse to enter. Yeah. The and she keeps going on, like it's it's telling me come into me. That's what it's saying. Uh, you know, it wants me to go in and uh, Owari to try and. To help her, he fills up her hole with. <laughs> with... <laughs> oh, oh yeah, he does. I'll make you not want to go into that hole. I'll fill you up, right? Uh, fills... I'll fill this hole up. Just watch me. He he fills up her silhouette gap, <laughs> and, and with with rocks. Right, he gets his rocks off and fills up her hole. <laughs> and he says, "You're safe now." And he says, "Um, you don't have to go back to your tent. Stay with me. I'm here with you." And you know, she we have some character exposition here where she's like, "I've always been alone my whole life." And he's like, um, you're afraid of that hole because you've been lonely. Nothing's lonelier than in being inside there. So just stay with me. I, d- and... I do hate the fact that we have to keep saying hole all the time. It's, it's kind of tough. When I was yeah. reading it in context, I didn't laugh at I, it, which I says enough either. because, like, it's me. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't laugh at it. I, I... It's just when, when Phil says it, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, out of context, it definitely is funny talking about going into holes. <laughs> but... Um... You know, then they kiss or whatever, and then it cuts to nighttime. And that night he has another nightmare. It was a long time ago. He doesn't know how long ago. 
He committed a, a horrible crime and was about to be punished. It Everyone's in, like, loincloths and with spears. I love that yeah. he still has his Beatles haircut as he's, like, a caveman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, along the cliff wall are holes for criminals executed in the past. When a person committed a crime of my magnitude, the people in the past would dig human-shaped holes. And they put, pe- put, they put people in there. And as he starts going into it, he feels the cold stone closing around him. And he has no choice but to move forward. Um, the walls were carved in a way that kept you from retreating. You're just sliding slowly, slowly down, moving forward with each movement you made. And with each time, and with time, I felt a tug on my neck. To my horror, the part corresponding to my neck only got longer and longer, stretching until it should have torn off. And now we see the neck piece of, like, the neck part of the rock starting to, like, basically... The whole thing just becomes elongated. Yeah. Yeah, so the hole is changing shape to, like deform his body and he says not just my neck my legs my arms my torso his whole this hole starts to like really go in different directions over time so that very 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 gradually it starts to stretch his arms into like noodle shapes and his body starts to contort uh, and he's screaming for help in there and then he he wakes up and the girl's gone the girl's gone he goes no 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 he runs after her she dug the the rocks out of the hole and went in and he starts crying Basically, why'd she do it? Why'd she do it? And then when he, he drops his flashlight... He sees his hole. He sees his hole. Yeah, the flashlight lands on the ground and shines on his hole. And he knows. Yeah. <laughs> he knows right away, this this yeah. is my hole. Because the hole has the Beatles haircut, too. Yeah. And then he looks with like kind of like these dead yeah. eyes. That's one, thing I find, that's one thing I find funny is they have... I guess it's to clarify who it is to make it more exact, but they always have the hair silhouette. When If you're really going through a rock face, your hair will probably get smushed... Yeah. Person, you know I mean? No, but it yeah. also stretches out your hair. That's where long hair comes from. <laughs> oh yeah. And then yeah, like I love that panel where he has these like dead, like defeated eyes. And then you see him you see a, a shot of his feet with his clothes next to it, and then you see a shot of his upper torso going into the hole. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut to months later, and on the other side of the mountain there's another fault. And that was also formed by the earthquake. And they said, But unlike the other the one on the other side, this one's quite small. There are holes, but they're not human-shaped. They don't really have any form. And they're just these, like... I don't even know how to describe this. They look like roots, like root designs. Yeah. Yeah, they're, like... like They do look a lot like roots. or like snakes. Like uh, like, a, like a multi-headed snake just, like, coming out of one direction. Um, and they're like, I wonder if they're connected to the ones over there. I'm going to take a look. And one of the researchers shines his light into this hole. And he sees... It's hard to explain. It's just a, a person stretched to the point of not looking like a person anymore, basically. Like yeah. you can you can see like they're completely white, tiny bead like eyes, and their their mouth is like half their body now, and you can't even like see the rest of them. They're like super stretched out. Yeah. And the way that it's it's drawn so like dimly lit and uh, the shading so dark on the character really does look like this incomprehensible monster, except that you can see like just bones and curls in the flesh it reminds me of you remember those books that we like i don't know if you guys had them as kids yeah the, the, the scary story ones. scary yeah. stories to read in the dark or whatever and they yeah. had those super creepy drawings that were like hyper detailed that's what this is that's always that's always the most uncomfortable uh uh scary things for me like whenever people have like even though, like when they have something like homer simpson and make him look hyper realistic it's always creepy when you have something that looks cartoonish but you make it real enough that it just really makes it unsettling. Like that uncanny valley that sometimes like uh, studios inadvertently do when they try to make uh, fun, lovable characters, but they make it too realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
And then it ends like that, where this the guy starts screaming, saying it's slowly coming this way. Yeah, and that's the end of the enigma of Amigara Fault. I liked it a lot. So, recap page, you guys changed my mind. I think the third one's the best. Yeah, yes! It's yeah, so good. I, I, feel, I feel like it's hard to argue any other way. That's definitely one of the best horror stories. I, here's the reason why I think, like we all said, like this is what, this is what we love about horror where uh, this is a more modern story and I think more modern stuff you get a lot more uh, when something new and different comes along it feels more fresh and exciting for us whereas the first two are more of stuff we've seen before like they're more like classic horror stories yeah Yeah. it's it's like the first is just standard kind of ghost story stuff while the second's just more like it's supposed to gross you out and that's why it's scary whereas like this is this is the unknowable this is a fear you didn't know you have the fear of like going into this rock of being no I, I like this is actually like a really creepy idea. Like that you're compelled to kill yourself. Like, like they know that they're probably going to die in the hole, but they like it's no. They it, say like I'm definitely going to die yeah, in this hole, but they're like they have to go because it's made for them. Like yeah. yeah, and it's built in a way that once you go in, you can't back out. So it's like when you get your head stuck in a banister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really real fear. Real fear where sometimes where you get something, your head stuck in something, and like no one's around, and you're just like, oh my god, how long am I going to be here? That's it's a that's a very very scary, especially like claustrophobia and stuff like that. I'm sure when I was like five, I got stuck in a fence and was like, "I'm gonna die here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This hole was made for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of Ito's. I've I've read like I think like eight or nine of his other stories, and a lot of his stuff is based on kind of like weird premises. There's one that I read that I almost wanted to choose for the thing, even though th- this one's still the best. It's where people. One guy returns from South America with this honey. And it's like it's the best honey you ever taste. It makes all of their food. I thought you meant like a girl. <laughs> this oh, honey, no. this baby honey. No, this literal jar of honey. It, it makes all of their food taste bad. And as he's eating it, he tells like the other guy he's sharing it with. It's like you just can't get caught eating it. That's like the only rule. And it's like I'm trying to figure out what that's supposed to mean. And then one day he brings other people over to the house to see him, that guy, and eat the honey because it's so good. And when they go in the house, they have this full page thing of this guy flat as a pancake exploded against the wall with his guts everywhere. Yeah, it's just like, it's all like this really weird, like, what are you, like, what's going on? What are you supposed to do kind of horror that Ito's really good at? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this story. Some of it gets really weird, but I think that's a problem, like, with a lot of uh, Japanese authors. It's that some of them just get, like, get so strange but not like strange in like a uh, scary way it's just like strange like like why are you well like this? if you read like stephen king or a lot of uh people like writers people draw hard regularly for a long period of time eventually they get into weird territory I, and i think japan uh a weird territory is kind of like more of the norm yeah it's like be... if you make a stealth game once or twice like how do you not just make everyone nanomachine mechs that are ninjas and, <laughs> exactly like, like, like how can you not be your own clone's brother like it's just it's yeah, that's just... something i love about japan is like uh like in america we're doing it less and less like now uh, when there's a sequel is more like how do i mix this up and make it different while japan always like, had a mentality like i can't be tried the same ground and so that... we we figured out who the other weeaboo was by the way so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's part. That's part of the reason why I love a lot of the stories that come over there. Is there? There's always at least like an interesting uh, idea embedded deep within, like an interesting seed that gives birth to a really strange tree. Yeah. So yeah. we know the the, the favorite of everyone. Uh, uh, what's everyone's least favorite? I said mine. I guess the middle one. 
But like, yeah. I really liked all three, and I would gladly read more from all three of the creators. Yeah, I'd say Hino just because it's not what I like. I, I didn't like I didn't like Stolen Heart, and actually the only the only one I was happy to like I, the only one I'm like I'm I would read more of this, and I liked it a lot was Amagara Fault. The other two, I, even though I enjoyed Hino a little, like um, Hino's uh, the only one that I would say because we have the question: Do you regret reading this? Hino's the only one I say I might, I might regret reading it out of the three. I I would not read more of either of the first two. For me, I'm I, I like all three, but Same. it's just because they're, they're different enough, and they're kind of like interesting in their own way. I am glad yeah. we picked three different, completely different styles. But I also read a lot of all three, so I can't say yeah, that I regret. You know, <laughs> if I liked if I liked horror more, maybe I would be more into it. It's like it's already a genre I'm not super into, so it has to, I guess, be like really good for me to really get into it. See, so. I'm kind of the opposite, where I'm like I don't know like any horror. So even like Stolen Heart was kind of, you know, with tropes. I was like I still like this, like because I haven't had it beaten to death. That's that's why I always I insist you be more horror stuff, Ryan. I know, and fuck you. Okay. <laughs> so uh, do we have? I have a letter. Well, we have a letter from only for Ryan. So now we all leave. Ryan, answer this. It might be it might be a dear Ryan. We got it a long time ago, but I've been saving it for one that I an episode that I felt it was appropriate. It's actually a letter about like what's what's the cure for this poison? I'm dying. Help me! And now it's too late. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's that's the best way to figure out any medical illnesses, guys. Write in to deviceofissues at gmail.com, and in a few weeks, we'll probably diagnose you if you need. Yeah. It. So this is from our Facebook page, and it's from Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. The question is: How graphic do you feel is too graphic? You guys discussed this a bit when it comes to the boys, and in the new episode, I don't remember what episode she's talking about, but I'm curious if you feel differently when it comes to on-screen portrayals. I read once someone saying, it's difficult to view the Avengers and the Netflix Daredevil existing in the same universe when you compare the bloodless, cartoony violence of Avengers to the realistic bloodshed of Daredevil. Is there anything any of you have felt has gone too far in terms of gore, or are there times you feel excessive gore serves a story? I actually do think there's too much, such a thing as too much gore, just like there's such a thing as too much of anything, where you're just becoming gratuitous and just self-serving. I think if you use gore to fulfill the story and to set a mood, it's fine. This is a good example of... of I, I felt the Hino story is a bit gratuitous, where it just it didn't feel like it was a strong enough story. It just felt like it was just, how awful can we do things here? Like, I agree. Like, yeah. like uh, one of my favorite movies is The Thing, which is a gory movie, but it's about an alien that can morph into anything. So the gore is necessary. It makes it more unnerving seeing human forms molded and twisted into the grotesque shapes. I definitely agree, and I think gore as a as a like tool is good. Where, um, like you mentioned, like in, in some horror movies, or in even like I'm trying to think of some oh like something a movie like or like Battle Royale. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be a fucked up situation where teenagers are murdering each other. So the fact that you see them murdering each other in a gory ways is like is part of the the whole like theme and setting. But if it, something like the boys, it's like let's go fight superheroes, and then you just see like like just fucking nasty shit like blood specks, speckled semen like I guess some stuff that's not even related to the main theme. Like you see dogs yeah. raping other dogs, yeah. and like a guy drinking off to a paraplegic. Uh, athletes and like stuff. Like, why? Like, it's so it's so unnecessary and not related. Like, John Wick, I've heard people say it was um, too gory for them, like, or too violent. Oh, like, it's so good. I watched that with my dad, and he was like, that was way too much. But the, that's like, the movie is about... Sounds like, like your dad's a pussy. <laughs> it's like, 
that movie is about like over the top hitmen like yeah know, i think it's everyone. i think it's all about tone because i want to take two comic examples like nemesis which we've talked about isn't as gory as a book like the walking dead the walking dead is way more gory but i was more uncomfortable with nemesis because i felt like it was there just to be gratuitous and there yeah. whereas the walking dead it fits with the tone and it works. And it doesn't have anything like women's being rigged to explode. And yeah, and it, like in Nemesis, it's just like, hey, let's put like a kid in the way of this bullet or whatever, or like in the way mm-hmm. of this truck, and like or like in the boys when people would like explode. It seems like it's just there to be there. Where in The Walking Dead, it's supposed to give you a sense of how fucked up this world is, and like it works for the tone. Yeah, for me, it has to make sense with the universe itself. Yeah. Like, the universe has to feel like this is a natural thing to expect. Like, her examples of Avengers and Daredevil, it's like Daredevil's world is built around that kind of the, the street-level violence and the hand-to-hand combat stuff. Whereas Avengers is so much, like, grander, and it's about, like, the team working together and fighting against other forces that it doesn't feel like... Like, if Avengers just had a scene of, like, Captain America getting his face like punched in and bruised and mangled beyond belief. It's like that would probably be too much. And also like the theme of Daredevil is what is too much in the like to for justice and like where's the gray area? When do you cross the line? Whereas the the theme of Avengers is let's have a bunch of fun heroes team up and fight aliens. It's also it's all it's also easy to mark like what people love to market uh like fighting aliens towards younger kids more because a lot of parents are like, I don't want to have my kids see like war violence, but fighting aliens is like, you know, it's fun. You wouldn't, no one would explode and die. And like, most, uh, most blockbusters are, are, are aimed towards an all ages audience. Yes. While, while more uh, TV audiences are a lot of older people. Yep. I've seen people who are like, I won't let my kids play like call of duty, but Halo's okay because when you kill aliens, like you don't see like, you know, it's not like it doesn't, it's dehumanizing because they're not humans. They don't even feel pain. They don't feel anything. They well, I mean, I know intellectually it's stupid, but uh, it's like it's kind of like a it's like a gut feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that the target audience definitely matters to, like, like you guys said, like if it's for kids, you can't have fucking torture stuff. Like that's dumb. Okay, so thank you, Tracy. Any other questions? Feel free to write us divisiveissues@gmail.com or on our Facebook page or tweet at us at divisiveissues. And speaking of Twitter. Uh, at the time of recording, it was, it's been a couple weeks by the time you hear this, but uh, I have been, I assume I'm going to keep doing this for a while, I have been reading lots and lots of 30s and 40s comics and tweeting really out of context ridiculous panels or some panels that are great, so you should follow the hashtag golden age shenanigans if you want to get in on this, because I'm having a great time. And I also want to plug the other shows on the Comrade Radio Network. At the time of recording, it'll probably be done by now. But APOC Radio has been doing a, not really a crossover, but like a guest, a series of guest spots with Owen from Classic Schmassic. And I especially recommend the DC Comics episode because I am a one note person who only thinks about comic books all day. And so far they've done a couple episodes. They just did one on tie-in stuff that kind of fits in with our brand of like, you know, how does pop culture bleed into this kind of stuff. So I definitely recommend uh, APOC Radio. And all the other shows. You can find them all at Comrade... Only Big Cap Radio. I'll fuck all the You can find them all at ComradeRadio.com. And I guess that takes us to recommendations. Uh, Phil, do you have one? Um, I was going to recommend the anime based on the visual novel uh, Higurashi no Nakukoro ni or... Uh, uh, what are they called? I think it's translated as When They Cry. Mm-hmm. Higurashi When They Cry, I think. Yep. Um, it's a horror... I, I haven't played the visual novel. I only watched the anime, but um, I'm a scrub. 
But uh, it's really you're, you're an alien fighting Muhammad Ali, Phil. Yeah, good, good, good reference. Um, it's uh, it's a really creepy show, and I really can't tell you too much without kind of. Running. You always say this. You can never say anything about a plot. You can't. You can't even tell me science gives about anything besides oh, it's about time travel. Give us something. It's best if you go in completely blind. But but give us give us something to whet our appetite, some the taste of what to expect. Um, get slight wet. Come on. Yeah. <sighs> It's a show about a bunch of kids in a, a little village in Japan where creepy shit happens, um, and it goes from zero to hundred in like two episodes. So like you're in a, if you watch the first episode, you're gonna be like, "What is this slice of life anime stuff?" And then it gets really horror esque very fast with like um, things happening. And <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds pretty good. What about you, Sly? My recommendation is going to be Death Note. Which is uh, it's been recommended like three times already. It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) But it's perfectly logical here because I I know, I know. And I'm gonna recommend The Wire. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna recommend Diff. No, I'm gonna Uh, recommend uh, PBS's Eyes on the Prize. (laughs) <laughs> if you want me to recommend something else, I can. You want me to do no, that? no, it's fine. Uh, Death Note, it fits with this. Because Death Note's example of this with a story, like the Hino concept of a story attached to it. I think it's better. Cool. It is better. You don't just think. What about happens. you, Daryl? I got two. The, the first is, I, I wasn't going to record, like, but this is such an obvious recommendation, is Junji Ito's Uzumaki. Where if you like the idea of, like, an otherworldly force pretty much destroying a civilization... Uh, that's all about spirals, and it sounds weird. It's like, what does spirals have to do? But like, just imagine someone's like, "Hey, look at my arm!" Like it's slowly b- bending in on itself, and it keeps happening. Like I'm just more me bending into a spiral. It's like that kind of weird stuff, but to an entire village in different ways for everybody. Are there anti-spirals? No, unfortunately. Uh. <laughs> a-, a good follow-up to that is watching Gurren Lagann. Yeah. And then uh, the the other recommendation that I really why does he like get to? Is- yeah, only one percussion. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get. Okay, he has it ready. We'll make an exception this time. Okay, I, well, this I I was recommending the spiral just because you guys really like the Edo story. Oh, you're recommending that just to us? Yeah. yeah. Fuck you guys listening. That's only for us. You can't read it. Only us can read it. <laughs> uh, my other recommendation was going to be Saya no Uda, which is a visual novel. And it is one of the most like gnarly visual novels I've read. It's pretty crazy. It's about a guy that he undergoes an operation and when he comes out of it he sees everything as monstrous flesh and organs and guts and it makes him so nauseous and sick he wants to kill himself and in this world of like where everything like even the walls are flesh creatures uh he meets a little girl and it's the it's a very lovecraftian tale and it's really messed up i i heard about it i don't know from you or not but i heard that was good yeah it's really good but you have to have a stomach for rape you have to be an Almore fan. <laughs> yeah. So I am. I don't really know a whole lot of horror, so I had to kind of dig deep. <laughs> I am gonna recommend Jamie Delano's Animal Man run. I like the. Oh enti- yeah. I like the entire Vertigo Animal Man stuff, and I could rave about the Grant Morrison run forever. But the Delano run has a lot of horror elements, and it's very much similar to Swamp Thing, where Swamp Thing's all about the green. Jamie Delano's runs all about the red and like living beings and. 
it gets really creepy at times, but it also keeps like the heart of the family true. And they just recently collected the rest of it a couple years ago. So I recommend Delano's run. It's collected as Animal Man Volume Six and Seven. You could just skip to that if you want. Was that was that the new Fifty Two one? No, that is that's Lemire's run, which is also great. Uh, okay, okay, because that that was also really good. Yeah, that is also really good horror stuff. Cool. So thank you guys for listening to Divisive Issues. I've been the perfectly shaped hole. I've been the plus sign. Uh, 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 I forgot what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a fun improv game. I've been a lullaby from hell. Okay. Yep. And I've been Hideshi Hino. (laughs) Stay in continuity. Podcasting Network.